Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... And it's really, in our experience, in our opinion, not much different for social impact organizations. There's still a huge need to build a solid brand and the foundation on that brand to have clear messaging, to be really good at impact storytelling, to communicate your progress and your needs and your challenges as an organization. And essentially, at the end of the day, you're selling a vision for a better future. And to sell something, you have to be a good communicator. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 329 of Impact Boom. My name is Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Eric Ressler. Eric Ressler is the founder and creative director at Cosmic, a social impact creative agency. Cosmic empowers social impact organizations to catalyze real-world change by helping them nail their impact story, build brand awareness, and inspire action. Eric got his start in design from a very young age, and after leaving a design program in San Diego early on to pursue freelance work, he cut his teeth running a freelance business in the digital design space. After organically building a strong roster of clients, he discovered a passion for the social impact and philanthropic space. Through working with numerous organizations across the sector, he found that often their missions and visions are strong, but their efforts are stymied by ineffective communication philosophies and practices. Now, Eric and Cosmic are on a mission to help social impact organizations across the globe navigate a rapidly changing world. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing communicating social impact to convey change effectively and opportunities for entrepreneurs to connect with philanthropists to access funding and support. Eric, Thank you so much for joining us today. It's really a pleasure to be speaking with you. I'm so excited for this conversation. Excellent, Eric. So just to start off, could you please share a bit about your background and then what led to your work in social enterprise? Sure. So I've always been really inspired by creative work from a young age. Um, I think when I was about maybe eight or nine, I started making stop motion videos on my webcam at my house and shooting mm -hmm. photos, doing traditional art, and then ultimately got into what would be considered graphic design, basically using computers to make my art more perfect. The thing I kind of struggled with always with traditional art is I didn't like having to fill the whole canvas. I didn't like the tedious nature of doing it. I didn't like that I couldn't perfect the work. Um, and as soon as I got on the computer, there was something really satisfying to me about being able to create perfectly straight lines and curves and circular shapes and even just like basic geometry like that. And that really quickly led me to design as a and visual communication and all kinds of different media. But digital was really the thread that connected everything. And that pretty quickly led me into the world of the internet and web design. And so at a young age, I was also 
learning how to code HTML and building out websites and really got inspired to do that for bands that I was in when we needed websites to promote our work. And that really kind of grew into trying to figure out how I might be able to make a go of this professionally. So I went to design school and it didn't end up being a good fit for me. I ended up leaving pretty quickly and pursuing freelance work. And that started to work pretty well. I was able to support myself um, pretty quickly. I was able to learn a lot and I'm an experiential learner. So learning by doing that style really works well for me. And ultimately got to a point where I really needed to kind of grow the business. Um, I was getting really busy with client work and I was just overwhelmed. I had too much to do. I was turning people down and I really wanted to help people. And I really wanted to see if I could make a go of it. So I started to bring people on and build a team out. Originally tried to build a collective out and that failed pretty quickly. So I ended up actually building a company. And that was about 12 years ago now. And from there kind of grew cosmic organically. We were based and um, still are unofficially headquartered in Santa Cruz. We're remote these days and distributed as a team, but uh, really built out the firm, doing a lot of work in Silicon Valley and helping startups and enterprises build out their brands, build out their digital experiences, their marketing communications work. And alongside that, we were also doing a lot of work with folks in the social impact sector, nonprofits, foundations, some funders and philanthropists, some social enterprises. And after about seven years doing all kinds of different work and just kind of getting used to what some of the challenges were and what some of the opportunities were, we realized that for our trajectory as a firm, we really needed to find our own niche and our own purpose and differentiate Cosmic. And when we looked at all the different ways that we could do that, we kept circling around this space that we didn't even really know what to call it first um, and ultimately kind of ended up describing it as social impact sector. We started using that term before it seems to be coming more and more popular these days. Um, But there's a lot of different terms to describe the sector. But essentially, we wanted to help organizations that existed to do good at their core, not as a tack on um, benefit or cause marketing campaign, but were formed to do that or put that above all else, including profit. Um, So that really is an abbreviated version of the story and how we got here. And so we've been fiercely committed to doing work in the sector and very curious and learning about what works and what doesn't and and what the unique challenges and opportunities are within the social impact space. And just really asking the question, you know, what purpose or place does design have in making positive social change in the world? Wow. Yeah. Really, really fascinating journey that you've had there. And, And this is all culminated as you're now the founder and creator of Cosmic. And you just mentioned it at the end there, but you've got that that goal of helping these social impact organizations uh, exist within the sector more effectively and advertise themselves and, and show themselves for what they're doing. So can you tell us a bit more about Cosmic's social purpose and how it conducts these activities? The way that I think about our impact at Cosmic is kind of like a ripple effect. So we're not scientists or politicians or Um, researchers or academics looking at social change. We're designers, we're storytellers, we're communicators, we're developers. So we're looking at how can we apply our expertise in those disciplines to the social impact sector and help our clients create a bigger impact than they would be able to create without us. So our impact all happens through making our clients more effective at the work that they're doing, which is really rewarding for us because we get to work on a lot of different causes in a lot of different um, industries or focus areas and really see and learn from some of the most 
intelligent, driven, and passionate people in the world who are doing selfless work, who are doing work that is often behind the scenes that's really important and really impactful. Um, and so our, our social purpose really is to figure out how we can apply our discipline and our expertise to help these organizations grow and scale their impact much more quickly and more deeply than they could without our help. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's really, really fascinating. Thank you for sharing that with our audience there. And as you said, you get to work with a variety of different causes and in different organizations that span across these different areas of social impact. So when it comes to working with these organizations, sometimes they might get it wrong or they might might experience issues with delivering that social impact. So what are common patterns that you have witnessed where impact-led organizations are seeking to create a positive change, but are failing maybe to do so? There's a few different flavors that show up a lot. And I'll start with probably the most common one. And the most common one is that the staff and the team at the organization is really focused on doing the work, so to speak, doing the boots on the ground program work, working with funders to try and raise money taking those resources um, and maybe sometimes it's a social enterprise who's selling something or a service or a good and they're funded from a market-based approach. But either way, the focus is on getting the work done. And that's really important, of course, like making that impact and working towards the mission and the vision of the organization should be the focus of the organization. But oftentimes it's at the expense of some really fundamental skills and needs that an organization has around branding and around communications or marketing. And when we look at the profit-driven world, corporations and business and and enterprise business and Mm. B2C brands, marketing and branding is really crucial to the success of those organizations. And it's really, in our experience, in our opinion, not much different for social impact organizations. There's still a huge need to build a solid brand and the foundation on that brand to have clear messaging, to be really good at impact storytelling, to communicate your progress and your needs and your challenges as an organization. And essentially at the end of the day, you're selling a vision for a better future and to sell something, you have to be a good communicator. And so many times what we see is organizations across the spectrum from very small ones to very large ones, either don't understand or aren't able to build out the right level of capacity to effectively manage branding and communications to the degree that they need to, to really see their true potential for impact happen. And that's not true for every organization. Some organizations in this space have done really, really well here. There are some examples of organizations that are best in class with this regard. But if you compare the amount of time and effort resources that are invested in branding and communications for social impact organizations compared to most other organizations in the world, it's it's really not comparable. And so I think there's a lot of reasons for that um, that we can get into if it would be helpful. But at the end of the day, that's kind of the common thread that we see most often. Mm-hmm. I would say related to that is a lot of these organizations in this sector in general is is underfunded. There's just not enough resources going to these causes at the scale that they need to be invested in, in order to actually make the amount of change that we need to make on some of these issues. Mm. And so what ends up happening, um, this is probably a little bit more common in the nonprofit space, but equally challenging in a different way for social enterprises is that they get stuck in essentially a starvation cycle where they're under-resourced, they're trying to make an impact, they're trying to make progress, they're trying to 
hang on to staff and to talent and to partners, but because they don't have the proper amount of resources or those resources aren't allocated effectively or uh, ideally, what ends up happening is that they get stuck in this scarcity mindset where there's the perception and the truth that they're always underfunded. So they make choices out of a scarcity mindset instead of a growth mindset. And that's kind of holding them back and starting to create patterns and organizational patterns and decision-making that's not actually moving them forward. So those two things are pretty related. I think one feeds the other, mm-hmm. but those are some common things that we see. And and I don't mean this in a critical way at all. There's a lot of structural issues why we've ended up here. And this work is um, oftentimes really hard, difficult, intractable work. And it's the kind of work that might not be profitable. It might not be a good investment. It might not make Wall Street happy, but it's really important work that needs to be done. And so we're hoping that we're going to see a a big shift in the amount of funding and the type of funding and the structure of funding going to these organizations and a continued growth in conscious capitalism and consumers who want to support organizations that are sustainable in all definitions of that word and want to support organizations that treat their own employees well, because that's really what's going to take for this sector as a whole to become more effective and actually make the change that we're trying to make. Mm, Yeah, really, really interesting to share that. And I love how you pointed out that connection between those issues as well, like that relationship where like one feeds the other. Really, really fascinating. And I think this is an opportunity. You kind of you kind of were verging into it there and you you didn't go into this area, but you can talk about it a bit now. But what advice would you give to a founder of a social impact organization who wants to cut through the noise with more effective and stronger storytelling and branding? I think it'd be helpful to start with a concept that's really core to our perspective and point of view on doing this work. And that's a concept called the attention economy. And so Mm. this isn't something that we invented, but it's something that we believe really strongly in. And that is through the advent of the internet and social media and basically our digital culture, information has become essentially free and flowing for most of of the world. Not everyone. There's still a lot of folks who don't have access to the internet and and information, but a, a large majority of us do at this point, and that's growing every year. So information is free, but the problem or the double edged sword of that is that our attention has become much more scarce, much more fragmented, much more difficult to attain. And so what that means for social impact organizations who are already to a degree at a disadvantage when you compare the ability of a brand like Apple or Nike to capture people's attention with really large ad budgets and a team of world-class creatives and designers powering their work is that it's becoming increasingly difficult to capture attention of people who might be a supporter or a funder or a donor or a partner because we've become so noisy as a culture and we're so overwhelmed and fragmented with our attention as a culture. And so what ends up happening is that humans, as we're overloaded with information, we start to become really pragmatic, if not brutal, around who we actually pay attention to and who we ignore. And either consciously or subconsciously, we tend to pay attention to the things that are the most interesting, engaging, and tantalizing. And a lot of that has to do with how it's presented, how it's designed. Um, And then a lot of it has to do with how the story is told, how it's framed, how it affects our lives. And so we like to think about as a social impact organization or a leader at one of these organizations, 
what are your opportunities to actually break through all of that noise and to play in the attention economy? Because if you don't think about it that way, then you're at a disadvantage. We're all in it, whether or not we want to accept it or we understand how it works. It's the reality of where we are and it's only going to get worse. And Mm -hmm. so we need to figure out how can we craft strategies and utilize these tools skillfully, and maybe even change these tools to become more skillfully integrated into our culture, into our lives. I think there's a strong argument for that um, because there are a lot of unintended consequences um, from some of these channels and platforms. So that's really how I think about this and how we structure our work is that we need to find ways to craft compelling stories, compelling communication, strong brands, strong digital experiences so that we do stack up against those other tantalizing distractions around selling products and all the other things that are happening in our social feeds and our email inboxes these days. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, wow. That is a that is a really big concept that attention economy there and a really key challenge as well. And if we're if we're focusing now, you've listed some of these challenges around branding and funding and finding traction for these social impact organizations, but what are some opportunities as well that are emerging? within the social impact sector in the next few years? Well, I think there's a lot of opportunities. I think that there's been a a fairly seismic shift in culture and understanding and awareness around the scope and scale and importance of some of these issues. Mm. I think that the pandemic has given the entire world in one degree or another the opportunity to really reflect around what's most important to us and what we care about most. And to kind of do a large cultural reset. And I think there's been a huge renaissance, so to speak, of people who really want to find their own purpose in work, in life, uh, through their community. And social impact organizations have something that other organizations will never have. And that is an authentic, built-in purpose to their work in their DNA, not a cause marketing Mm. campaign, not something that they have to figure out how to position to fit the latest cultural trend. (laughs) but something really authentic and key to what it is that they're doing and why they exist in the first place. And so we're all looking for community and connection as human beings. And if you can invite people, whether that's the general population for a grassroots organization or a key group of influencers or decision makers, if you're higher up doing kind of systems level work, if you can invite people into a community and provide that connection in a meaningful, authentic way, that's a huge opportunity that all these other organizations will never be able to match you in that way because everything that they're doing is really marketing at the end of the day. It's not about actually creating change. There are some exceptions to that, but a lot of these campaigns that you see coming out from large corporations is they're really just trying to tap into people's yearning for purpose. But People can see through that. And it's, you know, a lot of times it's actually led to backlash against those organizations because people are calling them out on not being authentic. So the superpower of the social impact organization is that your mission is authentic and it always will be. And it's really clear that if you communicate that in a way that is authentic and compelling and you use some of the same strategies and invest in doing your branding well, doing your communications well, building out your digital experiences well. And that doesn't mean it needs to be a super sophisticated thing. It just needs to be well executed and thought through. Then that combination can really help organizations break out of that starvation cycle and really help them scale their impact and attract a much larger community of supporters. 
yeah, really, really key opportunities there. And and as you said, there's a bit of a balance where there's all of those challenges that are arising as well, but there's plenty of opportunities arising, especially um, especially with that built-in purpose, like you were talking about there. It's a really key distinguishing factor for social impact organizations. So thank you so much for sharing that with our audience, Eric. And what is the relationship? If we talk a bit more about your work, you work with a diverse range of social impact organizations and individuals, right? So what is the relationship between these social impact organizations and philanthropists? And why is that relationship important? Yeah, there's a couple different ways that that shows up. So I think the first example would be, let's talk about generally nonprofits or organizations that are funded primarily through gifts and grants. There's a lot of organizations where their funding comes either solely or primarily through government grants, grants from institutional foundations and philanthropies, or even large net worth individuals who are writing really large gifts. So in that case, the relationship what it should be is a partnership. It's not always that way. Sometimes it does kind of feel like um, these social impact organizations are at kind of the mercy of the funder because the money is flowing in that direction. But really for it to be successful for both parties, it should be a partnership. It should be approached more as a partnership where one party is providing resources and maybe connection and, and attention And the other party, that party being the nonprofit, is taking those resources and those connections and turning them into impact because of their expertise and their capacity as an organization to actually do the work. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times uh, philanthropists and funders are writing checks, but they need to be doing more than just writing checks. And good ones are doing much more than writing checks, but they're, they're not doing the boots on the work ground. They're empowering organizations. I think about them a lot of times like venture capitalists where their return is on impact instead of on finances. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to social enterprises, it's a little bit different um, because social enterprises typically have, um, I think by definition, a market-based approach to funding, at least partially. So they're funding their organization by selling a product or a service or a suite of both. Think you know, Patagonia or Tom's are kind of some of the more um, commonly referenced ones, but they still have an authentic commitment to social impact. It's not a tack on thing or a social responsibility initiative. It is core to how they make decisions at the highest level of leadership in terms of how they run the organization and the choices that they make. And so those organizations sometimes also get funding, maybe through venture capitalists or even impact investors to help them scale. We've worked with some impact investors before. And one of the common problems is that there's this concept of the missing middle in the funding cycle where it's pretty easy. Um, maybe easy is a little bit of a stretch, but it can be much more possible for an organization to get some seed money, to get a proof of concept out there and to start building momentum. And it can even be easy for an organization or more possible for an organization that's got a proven model to get funding to help them scale. But there's this kind of missing middle in between the two where they've got a proven concept, but they haven't really been able to fully operationalize it. To get that kind of funding can be difficult. So that's a case where a venture capitalist or more likely an impact investor might come in to help provide some of that risk capital to help that organization really scale and reach its full potential. So there's a lot of different intricate relationships between the funding side and the impact side. The organization is actually doing the work is the way that we like to talk about it. Um, And I think that that is changing a lot. There's a lot of 
folks out there kind of challenging some of the ways that this sector has been structured for a really long time. Um, I think there's really good reason for that. Uh, a lot of times the organizations that are being funded um, might not be always selected in a way that is right or fair. So there's a lot of kind of implicit bias and uh, frankly, even sometimes like racist roots to how some of these organizations have been formed, mm-hmm. uh, talking about kind of colonial wealth and how we need to essentially decolonize this sector. And a lot of philanthropists uh, in the past and even in the present have come to grow their wealth in ways that have um, exploited people, right? And maybe they're even funding solutions to problems that their companies helped create. So there's a lot there's a lot to dig into here. Um, and I don't mean to criticize all philanthropists. There's a lot of people in the space who are authentically doing really good work and mm. have earned their money fairly. Um, but there is also uh, a little bit of an unhealthy dynamic that can form that I think we need to watch out for as a sector. And we need to hold uh, folks accountable who have exploited people and are trying to essentially write checks to feel better about the fact that that's happened. Wow. Really, really crucial insights there, Eric, and just a just a wonderful overall like perspective on on this sector as a whole and the relationships that are underpinning the social impact that's creating and the roots and the history of it. Yeah, just wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with our audience there, Eric. And we're moving in now to the end of our interview. I've got two quick questions here, but we're running out of time, so I might try and combine them a bit. So could you share with our audience some inspiring projects or initiatives? that you've come across that are creating social change and then any books and resources that you would also recommend to our listeners? Absolutely. So I think uh, with regards to an organization that's really inspiring, we're working with an organization right now called STEM from Dance. They're currently based out of New York area, but they're expanding their programs um, really ambitiously. And they're just doing such good work and they're such great people that I, I, I would love to give a quick shout out to them. And so their program is really unique in that they're trying to help um, girls who traditionally might not have opportunities or resources to get into STEM careers to do that. And they're doing it through a really unique and creative way of combining dance and technology and allowing um, young girls, mostly black and brown girls, to combine those two modalities into one. And the founder, Yamale, was really inspired to do this from her personal experiences um, being accepted into a program at MIT and looking around and realizing she was one of the only Black women at this organization or in her class and wanting to change that. And also tapping into her roots as a dancer and the feeling that she got dancing, that creative flow and expression and wanting to give other girls the opportunity to have that same feeling through STEM-based activities and give them a career path that would help sustain them and provide success for them in the future. So it's just a really cool combination uh, and a really unique approach. And they're just really good people making a good impact. So I would highly recommend folks check them out. We're we're doing some exciting work together that we'll be able to share um, relatively soon here. And then with regards to resources, this might be a good time actually to mention that we publish a lot of insights and resources and guides and things on our website as well that are free for anyone to use and check out. So if you're curious about how as a social impact leader, you can take some of these philosophies and apply them, you know, these bigger concepts, what does that actually look like? We get pretty tactical. Sometimes we get 
um, a little bit more esoteric at times and write some, you know, kind of trend and opinion pieces, but there's a lot of content there um, that's free and easily accessible. We also published a manifesto that kind of outlines our perspective and our point of view on this work. We start with the intention economy. So if you're interested in that kind of bigger picture thinking about how you might think about doing this work and frame it in the context of culture at large, that's a great thing to check out as well. It's a digital experience. It's also, we have an audio book. It's on most of the podcatcher apps. You can just search for the revolution is digital and it'll come up. There's a picture of a world as the cover. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of great content to dig into there and um, would love to invite people to, to check it out and hopefully find some value. Mm, wow. Yeah, really, really great recommendations. And all of those organizations you've mentioned throughout the podcast, as well as Cosmic, obviously, all of those resources and books, they'll all be linked to the article. So once our listeners have had a listen to us chat or people have read through the, the web article, they'll be able to go click on through and check all of those out. So that actually brings us to the end of our interview here, Eric. And I just want to say on behalf of Impact Boom, thank you so much for, for making the time to, to have this conversation with us. Uh, it's been really, really insightful. It's amazing the work you're doing and all of the experiences you're having. And I just can't wait to see more about Cosmic in the future and all of these brands that you're helping as well and create more social impact. So all the best in the future. Thanks so much and good luck. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.